thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Cynthia Rukti. Cynthia and her co-author, Becky Melby, have written Spouse in the House. They know all too well adjusting to a new, all-the-time closeness can cause the bliss of a marriage to form blisters. Drawing from their experiences and from men and women across the country in the same situation, they take a deep breath and dive into the root cause of the discomfort. Join us in today's episode as Cynthia digs into the ways that God's Word addresses the topic and offers practical tips for learning the spiritual, emotional, relational, and even physical steps that can help us to replace irritation with peace. Well, hello, Cynthia, and welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so happy to have you as my guest today. Thank you. It is such a joy to be here, Rachel. Thank you so much. I have enjoyed getting to know you personally kind of off the recording, but now that we are recording, I want everyone else to get to know you and and to see and learn what a gift of a person you are. So would you just start by introducing yourself to everyone and telling us a little bit of your marriage story? Because we're talking about spouse in the house. So this is mainly about, you know, our attitudes with the people that we live with, especially our spouses. So just uh, share a little bit about yourself as we begin. I don't know if this helps to know this, but I fell in love with my husband-to-be when I was in fifth grade, and he was in sixth grade. Don't necessarily recommend that, but that it, <laughs> that, that was our me, path. Cynthia, because I have a fifth and sixth grader right now. But go ahead. <laughs> I, know, I know. I look at my my grandchildren now, and I think, oh, please, no. There's no point in falling in love too soon. But but for us, that was our journey. We lived five blocks away from one another. We were two of the only unrelated people in our youth group at church. And so there, but there was a, there was definitely a pull that we later learned was the Lord. It wasn't just um, puppy love or teenage infatuation. And now we've been married so many years, I can't even count them anymore. But after having started in a relationship so young, this is part of the background, even of the book Spouse in the House, one would have thought that when we got married at 20 and 21, we'd have that down pat. This would be easy because we we had grown up together. We knew each other well. Our families would vacation together. We saw each other every Sunday in church. And in the early days when we weren't old enough to date yet, he my, my bill would bring me candy bars at church, which I thought were great, but I also blame him for some of this flesh that I have right now. <laughs> But then we, and that's part of our story is that we, we both started out with um, a faith base, which was a saving grace when we went into year one, year two, and the rocky things and the beautiful things and the lovely things and the things that we thought were going to just kill us as a couple over the course of time there we had different seasons where we had to experience something where our togetherness was just a little too much. Uh, And there were times when we were, were separated by his shift work or, or his shift work, meaning I had to keep the kids quiet while he was home. And that made for that togetherness be just a, a little bit extra as they might say. So the, some of the seasons that we went through as a couple, I know background wise, I have written for 
radio for 33 years and then that retired, that ministry retired. And then I was writing books, fiction and nonfiction, and was led to write books that would deal with the tough situations in life, but with a tender hand. My tagline for my <clears throat> for everything I do is I can't unravel, I'm hemmed in hope. And my girlfriend Becky became someone, an author friend became someone who I could bounce ideas off of and we could commiserate together a little bit, but I knew she would always point me back to Jesus, point me back to the word of God, and she wouldn't let me wallow. And that, and I pray that I did that for her as well. Then came this opportunity to write this book, Spouse in the House, but I can talk about those seasons a little bit, but sure want to allow you time to ask questions or dig a little deeper, anything like that, Rachel. Well, you know, you mentioned Becky Melby. She Melby, uh, she is um, your co-author. And so yes. together you have written Spouse in the House and mm -hmm. you call it a frank and funny look at what to do when together is too close. Mm -hmm. So talk to us, you know, you know, as, as a married couple, we're obviously in the house, but there are those seasons when um, COVID, for example, when everybody <laughs> has to be, you know, homebound or retirement, you know, my mom just was talking about, they've just retired and so they're having to adjust to um, her husband is home all the time and he normally wasn't, wasn't. And so having to just be more cognizant of who needs meals when and who needs quiet when and what do you want to do now? So um, when did this spouse in the house, um, when did you get kind of too close with Bill? You said his name is right. Yep. And interestingly, Becky's husband's name is Bill too. Oh, so in the dedication, we said, to Bill. And we figured that probably would cover it because since we we both happen to marry Bill's, but <laughs> for, for me, one of the earliest times was when my husband was forced into early retirement at 50. And that seems way too young. I know there are people who would love to retire at 50, but it soon becomes apparent that fishing and hunting and golfing can only consume so much time. And then what? And then what? Plus, we couldn't actually afford health insurance off of the pension that was so small when you retire at 50. And, and that was kind of forced upon them. So that was another layer of then emotional tension that he had. So the tension was brought in to this togetherness situation. I was still, we were still raising kids. We still, we had, uh, I had a job that I have always worked from home. I've always had a job except for a few years, maybe about seven years of my career where I could do my work from home, but then also needed to travel from time to time. So during that period of time, there was an adjustment that we probably didn't handle as well as we could have. I think part of it was because my drive to keep working was so strong and his drive to not keep working was strong. So here were these two different personalities looking at that. And that too created a, uh, not a clash that was arguments or anything, but just an atmospheric change between, difference between us. And I think that's part of the deal too, is sometimes we're, we're not emotionally making room for what this looks like or making room for one another's differences. That was one. And then in um, 1999, my husband almost didn't come home from his trip to Canada. He had a two-week tripping, a fishing trip to Canada 
that and got deathly ill while he was up there. And at that time, then he, he was within just minutes, they said, of not making it when the rescue planes finally were able to get back into that wilderness area and pick him up and take him to a hospital. So there was a caregiving season there where we, I was by his side. And so our home became very small. He couldn't go far and couldn't do much. And everything about who he was, this strong presence in the home had changed and he was weak. And I was picking up many of the things that he would have needed to do. The third one was when, and I'm almost done with the storyline here. No, I'm glad. I think this is such a good point because there are so many seasons, different, different, different things. So yeah, yeah. Move into the third. That's great. The third one was when he fell out of his hunting stand a few years ago and broke his back in his femur. Same night that I set the kitchen on fire. That was accidental. I want everybody to know it wasn't on purpose, but (laughs) you didn't want a new kitchen. (laughs) No, just happened to want to make onion rings that night. So when he came in from hunting, bow hunting, I'd have this lovely meal ready and we, and we had company at the time. My my brother-in-law and my sister were living with us for a little bit of time. So lovely meal ready, roasted Brussels sprouts, everything wonderful. And the pot of oil caught on fire and the kitchen and the cupboards, everything was on fire while he was in the woods and had no idea this had happened. But he didn't come out of the woods. He had to be hauled out of the woods by the ambulance crew and the EMTs because he'd fallen and it was pretty serious. So at that time, when he finally came home from the hospital after surgery and lots of lots, he came home to a house that was in the middle of fire remediation. The remediation crew cleaned up of the smoke and soot and all the damage, the entire house cleaned up one room where my husband could safely recover but he needed me every minute. He could do practically nothing. So that caregiving period was months long and our world shrank to that one room with him on the couch and me across the room. And now we're in the retirement phase where it's a much more natural time. He had gone back to work after that 50 early retirement, went back to work so we could afford healthcare and various things. And uh, now he's at that stage where I'm still working full time from my office in my home and he's retired, but there is hope. That was a long story to get to the, but there is hope part. No, and I'm so glad you shared all of that because I think it shows your faithfulness um, in, in every season as a married couple. And so my husband and I have been married for 17 years now, and he's actually a hunter and a fisher too. And so I'm, re- I'm rethinking his hobbies, um, but, um, but no, as a, as a younger married um, person, I think that that's so hopeful and such a good um, good wisdom uh, that you have shared. And, and in fact, your tagline reads, rearranging our attitudes to make room for each other. So you kind of pose this question, how can partners coexist without co-exhausting each other? <laughs> so I know we need to read your book, but what would you say to that just as a little bit of a synopsis um, today? I think there are a lot of times when we don't realize that 
what God said in his word about relationships with people within the church or our neighbors, it applies to our husbands as well, to our spouse as well. So reading through the word with an eye for what does God have to say about this? When he's talking about, I want you to live in harmony with one another. He was talking to the church, but he also meant couples. When he talks about preferring one another, honoring one another, and not thinking of just your own interests, but the interest of the other person, like he says in Philippians, he's talking to husbands and wives, especially at times when it seems like the house is shrinking. Well, I shared with you before the interview, my husband and then my two kids and my two dogs, we're living in an RV. Mm-hmm. And so it's like spouse, kids and dogs in an RV, you know, like that would be the name of my book right now. <laughs> and it is, it is interesting, you know, because when one person is up, the entire house is up. So I've had to readjust mm-hmm. my quiet time, readjust when I make coffee, readjust, you know, when we're all taking showers and just being mindful of one another. Um, and, and so it's made us a lot more self less and, and, you know, and less, less selfish really with, with what we are doing and how we're showing and caring for one another. And so I think, um, you know, one of the things that you also pose is what role do expectations play? And because we do have so many expectations for one another, and then we end up disappointed or not meeting each other's expectations. So what would you say to that? If we could enter the marriage relationship at the beginning, and then every morning of the rest of our lives, getting rid of expectations, mm. laying those down, laying those aside, we'd be so much better off. We'd be delighted by the small things, which we always have to do. We'd be, we'd be pleased by what's happening that uh, came as a surprise instead of expecting that he would. But we also have to communicate well too, because Somewhere along the line, I heard the wisdom that my husband was not going to be able to read my mind. And if there was something that my soul needed from him, but I didn't communicate it to him, that's on me. That's not on him. So if I communicate it in a kind way, and if he sees that I am intentionally seeking to help make sure his soul is filled up then there's going to be that mutual back and forth in a good, healthy relationship. There are some relationships that aren't healthy enough to even apply that. And we recognize that we know that that is true, but for the most part, if, if we're, if I'm making expectations, a thing that doesn't even, we, that's not even a consideration in the home, but rather communication and that be what we're aiming for rather than what we expect to get or hope to get, we're going to be a lot better off in navigating whatever the seasons of life are bringing to us. What about, you've identified some of the root causes of the discomfort of of being so close. So would you share maybe some of those root causes that you've identified? Becky is really good at admitting that selfishness was her, I, mean, I just mentioned that right yeah was her biggest thing and and I and I will let her take that and I know that it applies to me as well mm-hmm. that there was so so much where my my ideas or my my own comfort level was real high on my list of what would make this work and so without it sounding like 
um, a kind of servanthood that is something that should be abolished, rather a servanthood that comes from this loving heart that is caring for the other person and caring about the marriage itself. Every single day, I'm met with opportunities where I can make, either make a big deal out of what just happened, or I could let it go, where I could give my husband a pass, or I could stir something up. Every single day, I decided a long time ago that I was going to pre-forgive my husband for every dumb thing he would do in the future. And that's worked out as a really good plan because hopefully he would then pre-forgive me for all the dumb things that I do too, all the misspoken words, all the, the things we do, don't notice about each other. And so in among those root causes, and then among the ways that we deal with those root causes, there's so much of it that has to do with, in my particular situation, it was coming to respect and not disallow his drives being different from mine, his passions, his hobbies, his tolerance of being outdoors <laughs> being different from mine. He, even his, his love for television, different from mine. So how are we going to work that out? Rather than fuming that it's different, we had to figure out ways that we were going to work that out. Sometimes it's an actual physical change. So I now have a sunroom in which I, I have a television that if he's watching one survival show or one fishing show or hunting show or something else after another and that, or sports and that maybe I've had, I've reached my limit of sports for the week there. I have a quiet place to go. I don't even turn on the television in the room, but it's there, but it's a quiet place to read, or I can listen to music that maybe isn't his, his brand of music. This togetherness thing in marriage doesn't mean we have to be the same person. If we're the same person, somebody's unnecessary. So with, with our being different people, it turns out that we make one better whole together. We have different stories we can bring to the table, different perspectives we bring to the table, table and hopefully also then offering a different picture to our children who will eventually grow up and have a spouse who may have different ideas than their own. Oh my goodness. I feel like I need a notebook to take notes on all of this. And I'm like, where were you 17 years ago for me? <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I, I'm just nodding my head this entire conversation and smiling because everything that you were saying so resonates with me, you know, in, including the TV. <laughs> My husband loves the TV in the bedroom and I do not, you know, mm -hmm. and so I now have a porch in my own little quiet space. Uh, and, but what you were saying about that, we don't have to be the same person, mm -hmm. um, but that, that we each have our own giftings and that we're making each other stronger. That's so beautiful. And then the, I've never heard the phrase to pre forgive that, mm -hmm. that was insightful and enlightening to me too. So thank you mm -hmm. so much. For sharing that. And, and I love that you are so practical in this way. And in fact, you offer practical tips for learning the spiritual, mm -hmm. emotional, relational, and even physical steps that can take and help readers to replace the irritation with peace. So would you share one of your favorite tips with us? 
I have to admit that one of my favorite tips came from my husband, but we got permission to use it in the book too, so that it could be a benefit to others. We had in our home a bottleneck for uh, 40 years. We, I love to move. My husband does not. So we've lived in our house for 42 years now or something like that. It might even be longer than that. But it had a chimney right in the middle of the farmhouse through all the main rooms. And that meant that the space at the base of the stairs was 18 inches. And the base of the stairs was the main traffic flow between the kitchen and the dining room and my office and various configurations. It's also where everybody hung out right there in that spot. So there's one way traffic for all those years. My husband made one simple practical change that changed that tight spot, that pinch point for us. He began to, instead of saying, I mean, it was beautiful that he was saying, excuse me, beautiful that he said that, but then he started saying, excuse me, my love. And that little tag of tenderness there changed that pinch point and my attitude toward that because he was addressing me as my love or his bride or his beloved in that place that could have been a, a source. Well, it was a source of continued irritation for so long. I don't think that we would have been able to remodel the home, our home to get rid of that pinch point until God saw that I was willing to give up my irritation over the pinch point. And my husband then had this beautiful one single change of the way he was wording it that changed our attitudes. Now we spent a couple of years tearing down that chimney and replacing the floor where the hole was. And we have a more open concept now, but there still are enough places in life where it's one-way traffic and we're learning how to use that kind of an expression and attitude. Wow. Yeah, it is so much about our attitudes and, and God can help us with those. You know, mm. I feel like sometimes our attitudes and our feelings, you know, they are valid, but we do really need the work of the Holy Spirit in us to change those tight spots. And I love that you added my love because this is the love offering. And so mm -hmm. based on today's conversation, Cynthia, how do you think we can best be love offerings? This is a question I ask all of my guests. My heart now now that we've walked through some seasons, we've walked through some things, I've watched myself behaving badly and watched myself behaving with greater wisdom or love and affection and appreciation. I now realize that if I have an attitude that keeps investing on making this better and better and better, and it is going to take an investment. It takes an investment in, in guarding my mouth guarding my heart, all things God told us about. But if I want to continue learning and continue making my love for my husband obvious and my relationship with the Lord affect the way I treat my husband, that's a love offering. Here I am, Lord, show me today how to show love to this man that I live with. Doesn't matter what he's doing, whether it's whether it's encouraging me or discouraging me, show me how to make him know how much you love him. 
Gosh, that's so good. And I, you know, I'm just thinking, and I know we're talking about marriage relationships, but I can just see so much correlation in every relationship we have with our, with our parents and with our friends and with our church members and, and, and with our children and just like everybody in our lives, this really does, you know, like Lord rearrange my attitude to make space for them and make them feel special. So I just love, I love this message so much for so many reasons. And so I know I want to stay in contact with you. I know listeners are going to want to stay in contact with you. So how can we best do that? The best way is through my website, my last name is Rukti, terribly hard to pronounce or spell, but it's Cynthia Rukti, R-U-C-H-T-I uh, dot com. Or easier way to get to me is hemmedinhope.com because that takes us to the same website. And from there, then the social media connections or signing up for the newsletter, things like that will help people to stay in touch and learn about new books on the way or what God might be doing and just pouring into people's lives so that we're all creating an atmosphere in which we can, each of us grow up to our best selves in Christ. Well, thank you so much for being my guest and for sharing your wisdom. And I just pray for everybody that is married or has somebody in their home that they are trying to navigate those feelings and that closeness with, that they would be stronger and better together. And so I just thank you so much for helping us to rearrange our attitudes to make room for each other. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Cynthia Rukti. We hope that today's episode helped you to rearrange your attitude and to make room for the people in your life. This week, our love offering is to have an attitude that keeps investing in making our relationships better. Cynthia says, here I am, Lord. Show me today how to show love to this person that I live with. If you're interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. I'd love to connect with you there. I'd also love to connect with you over on the Love Offering Facebook community. There each week we dive in deeper into each podcast episode, into the blog series, and we encourage one another to live faithfully and love fully. If you have not yet subscribed, rated, and reviewed the Love Offering podcast, I would so appreciate if you would take the time to do that on your favorite listening platform, just so other women can find this Love Offering message. And if you have rated and reviewed and subscribed to the Love Offering podcast, I want to say a huge thank you. I appreciate you so much. All of this information can be found at rachelkadams.com. There you can subscribe to receive the weekly Love Offering newsletter, and all of this information can be sent straight to your inbox each week. Next week, my guest is Heather McFadden. Heather is the author and podcast host of Don't Mom Alone, and she's on the show talking about how we can't live life alone, whether we're a mom or not, uh, that it is so important to have other people and to have the Lord in our lives. So I can't wait for you to tune again tune in again then. But until then, I hope you have a terrific week. And as always, remember to lead with love. Mm -hmm.